All right, watch for it. Uh, There are some changes coming to cannabis stores, and they may end up in places you never thought possible. We've come a long way since the legalization, and some of it's worked out, some of it's haven't, haven't, and we're adapting to the reality of where they're showing up. I'm almost, every time I'm driving around, I'm going, well, there's a cannabis store. There's a, they seem to be popping up. Why and what new criteria are they using? Mitchell Olsak is joining us, CEO, Quanta Consulting, Inc. Welcome, Mitchell. Thank you for being here. Good day, Arlene. Thank you. How have they adjusted? First of all, I mean, there's a story in the Globe and Mail that cannabis stores are starting to push into malls and airports and getting into a whole new retail. What's driving that? I mean, what are they learning about what works? Well, I would say it's two things, or rather three things. One is that um, post-legalization in Canada and in different provinces, the the rate of store opening varied uh, according to the rules of that particular province. So part of the reason why uh, cannabis companies now are looking in airports and malls is that um, now they are allowed to do that, and they're just catching up with retail that you see in in every other sector of the economy. So I think that's one one important factor. The other one is, you know, particularly in Toronto, is that you have retail saturation in certain parts of Toronto and the province. And uh, retailers are looking for new virgin uh, territories where there aren't any stores and there's still a lot of foot traffic in airports and malls or two of those places. Now, how is this going to affect it? Because right from the beginning, you know, it, it seemed the sky was going to be the limit. There was going to be luxury this, this, and, and cannabis was going to infuse every aspect of the retail life. Didn't really work out that way. Everything has a reality, doesn't it, Mitchell? What do you say the reality is that's hitting these stores? Um, that's a really, you know, good question that, going to take me a long time to fully unpack. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just say the reality is happening. I think it's just going a lot slower than people thought it would, number one. And number two, the laws of uh, retail capitalism are coming into play now. And just like if you had a Tim Hortons on four corners mm-hmm. of a major intersection, you'd have a couple of them at least fail. You are going to have cannabis retailers fail because there's too many in certain locations. And that's unfortunate, but that's just the part of capitalism that we can't escape. It is. So what is luring people? What's working? I mean, it's a wild, wild west, new territory. What's hitting the mark out there? Um, From a retail perspective, there's there's a bunch of things. Um, Just like you would see with with food stores and apparel stores, you're beginning to see uh, cannabis retailers starting to segment themselves, you know, at the high end of the market, right down to the sort of value segment. So, the, the, org, the, the industry is starting to specialize at, at, and target certain consumers. Number two is many of the operators are beginning to realize you have to run a real button-down business, and, and many of them are beginning to do that. So you're seeing things like retail consolidation and chains emerge and brands, and, and that's very positive for the industry. 
What are they learning about um, birds of a feather? You know, you were mentioning certain certain things happen in neighborhoods, and they do. What works? You know, you plant marigolds if you want to attract certain bugs, and it helps other plants. I know that's kind of well, no, it's got a plant analogy here. I'm doing I'm doing okay, but what kind of things work with this? What complements cannabis stores? Well, you know. I, I, a very interesting and an important question. I'm going to answer it another way and say that um, you're, we're limited in terms of uh, municipal and provincial regulations and federal regulations about where we can put these stores. So, for example, you know, the, the municipalities of Vaughan and Mississauga and Markham, they have passed bylaws prohibiting legal cannabis retail. So you can't put any stores there. Um, there are other restrictions about how close you put a cannabis store to a school, for example. So there are certain dead zones where you're not allowed to have any retail. At the same time, there are certain areas of Toronto where there are a lot of younger uh, consumers with more discretionary income, like on Queen Street Rest or Dundas or even on Avenue Road, where you're allowed to have stores and you have a demographic that consumes a lot of cannabis, and that's why you end up clustering in some of those places. So it's a bit of regulations, and it's a bit of following wherever your target consumer is. How much is the draw of going inside? You know, when, for a luxury retailer, they make the store because they know people, there's no downside to be seen going inside a Chanel or a Louis Vuitton or something. What, what about, is there any stigma still attached to this? Or people might not want people to know they're going inside? Or is that all gone? What's the reality of the psyche of this and how people view the whole industry and those who use it? Well, um, I won't lie. I'm, I was always a big proponent of legalization, and obviously I still am. But I, I won't ignore the fact that, uh, you know, pre-legalization, probably 30 to 35 percent of Canadians were against cannabis, um, legalizing it or consuming it or what have you. The great news is that percentage of our population is declining slowly, but it is declining. And it's roughly around 20% of the population now. So there is still a stigma out there, but it's smaller than it used to be. And partially that's because cannabis has gone mainstream. People see stores all over. They, they have experience consuming it. They realize we're no longer in a reefer madness type of era where people are going to act irrationally and dangerously. It's become, frankly, very boring in a lot of circles. So it's a logical step to see a cannabis store in a mall, for example, where you also see uh, a liquor store. So this is all part of the mainstreaming and consumer acceptance that's been going on for a while, and I believe will continue to go on for a certain amount of time. All right. I, I also want to ask you, what about the security? Doesn't cannabis, don't they have to have a lot of security and video coverage? And how does that play into where they are? Um, absolutely. Each store has has a whole list of security protocols and protections, including people at the door to make sure minors don't get in. So, um Cannabis stores are actually fairly safe environments um, when they're in good areas and when they're in public places. Um, for them to be in major malls and airports, they have to also um, integrate within the existing security systems of the mall and the airport. And that would include security cameras and controlled access and so on and so forth. So one of the challenges to getting 
cannabis stores in malls, for example, it was accommodating to the landlord or the mall owner's security systems and so on. And many companies have been able to do that quite successfully and quite safely. Well, Mitchell, thank you. It is no longer the Wild Wild West, and I'm, I'm sure we're, we're going to be pretty surprised where this ends up once they figure things out and once it just gets inside our headspace. Mitchell Osek, thank you for joining us, CEO, Quanta Consulting, Inc. Mitchell, thank, thank you. you. Have, a gr- have a great afternoon. And you there too. you have it. There, you know, and I will say, I don't know how many times I've been driving around lately and seeing cannabis stores crop up in areas where I thought they would never crop up and leaving areas and showing up like a sunflower seed somewhere else in your garden. We're going to take a break for Jeff MacArthur this afternoon. Having a blast. I'm Arlene Bynum. Don't go away. Hour two on the show in just a moment. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.